all these tiny little things you start to do and it starts to not feel like you're being pretentious or that you're doing it for an identity. You really, you already have that internal self-love of your light and now you're loving your body, your physical body. Because as a human, we're here mind, body, and soul. You mentioned the word love. Love is at the foundation of everything else, right? Because in every situation in life, you have two choices. You can come from a place of fear, you can come from a place of love. Exactly. Now, if you choose fear, then of course you have more choices. If you choose love, you have more choices there as well. Yeah. I'm not saying that you only have two choices in every situation, but it starts with... Actually, you do. You do, Constantine. There's only two, two, there's only two choices, love or fear. All negativity is derived from fear. So anything other than love is the alternate option. So there are only two choices, love or fear. Yeah. But there's some people that don't come here with that purpose. Some people just want to have that experience, and that's part of their karma. That's, all, that's mm-hmm. why they're here. They don't need to learn more, learn deep. They just want to be a father making bread for a living. And that's fine. And that's what we can't judge. You want to just be a bread man and in a small little village the rest of your life and you're happy? Then F yeah, hell yeah, boss. Yeah, that's how you're going to be boss and live it up. Some people are not meant to go in deeper. Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to Unleash Thyself. I am Constantine Murun, here to guide you through a journey of extraordinary human transformation and resilience. In today's episode, we're honored to welcome a very special guest, Dr. Lino Martinez. Dr. Lino's story is not just one of overcoming, but one of transcending. He has navigated through the turbulent waters of a rare genetic disease, emerging not just as a survivor, but as a beacon of hope and wisdom. His journey is a testament to the power of self-love, acceptance, and the transformative beauty of authenticity. Today, Dr. Lino will share with us his profound insights and experiences. We'll explore the profound impact of spirituality, particularly Buddhist psychology, and healing and personal growth. Dr. Lino's approach to life, marked by the principle of a little less fear, offers a refreshing perspective on how we can all harness our inner strength. Join us as we delve into these themes and much more. Dr. Lino's voice is not just one of wisdom, but of motivation, encouraging us to embrace self-love as a catalyst for growth and connection. As always, we thank you for joining us on Unleash Thyself. Remember, every story we share is a step towards understanding our very own journey. If Dr. Lino's story resonates with you, please like, subscribe, and share your thoughts in the comments. Your engagement helps us continue to bring these powerful stories to light. So, without further ado, let's dive into this enriching conversation with Dr. Lino Martinez and uncover the lessons and insights that can inspire us all to live a little less in fear and a lot more in love. Now, let's begin. Welcome back to Unleash Thyself. I am thrilled to welcome Dr. Lino Martinez to the show. Dr. Lino, such a pleasure to connect with you again. I was on your show not long ago, and I heard your beautiful story over just, what, a few minutes? And I was like, you know what? This is the type of person I want back on our show. So people can not only hear about what you've gone through and how you've overcome everything, but find a bit of inspiration, empowerment, that they too can overcome whatever it is that they are facing in their life. Absolutely. So welcome to the show. It's my pleasure to have you with us. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on your show. It was an, it was an honor having you on my show and learning a lot about authenticity and what makes you authentic. And now I get to be authentically me on your show. So thanks so much for having me. Yes, it's, it's such a pleasure. So maybe let's start a bit with your story, because some people will know who you are. Some people will be like, hey, who's this guy, right? Why is he on the show? Yeah. <laughs> so, Dr. Lino, um, I won't steal your thunder, so I'll leave it up to you. Where would you like to, to start with telling people, you know, that the suffering you've gone through, but how it brought you to this place in life where you can give back so much? It's a really great question. Thanks so much for asking that. First off, before I talk about the suffering that I went through, I just want to point out that everybody in the world is suffering one way or another. One way or another, everybody is suffering. And I learned this quote from a monk. I just, I was a practicing Buddhist for, for years. And the one thing that got me to practice Buddhism, become spiritual, is a 
teaching that this monk did. And he said in the beginning of his teaching that just because you are in pain doesn't mean you have to be suffering. And just because you are suffering doesn't mean you have to be in pain. And I'll always remember that. And that was like five years ago. And that changed my life forever. And that led me to realize that a lot of people identify with their suffering. And that's not who you are. You are not pain. That's not your, that's not your authenticity. That's not your identity. It's a label that you let you put onto something that you're physically feeling or emotionally feeling. And people start to identify with that. So just, but in that identification that people give themselves, everybody's suffering one way or another. And yeah, just want to acknowledge that I understand people are suffering in this world and they don't need to be, but I can be there with them and I can be compassionate and empathetic with what they've been through because I too have gone through suffering myself. And what is some of the suffering that I've gone through? Is that your question? What's some of the stuff that I've well, gone yeah, through that caused me to suffer? Story, right? Because you, you shared it so beautifully with me in just a few minutes last time we talked. So I figured, you know what? It has such a big impact on me, meaning that you inspired me given what you went through. But it also made me wonder, wow, how did you overcome all of that? Let's dive deeper. So tell us a quick summary of how you got to this point in life. At this point in life, for those wondering, and they would have seen it in the intro, is that you are a clinical psychology doctor, essentially, right? You have your right. doctor in clinical psychology helping right. people. You have a beautiful book. You have an amazing podcast. You do lots of things to help people suffer less. Yeah. So before I, I leash into like, unleash as far as we're talk about what brought me to where I'm at today and how I'm able to just turn suffering into an authentic loving light. I'll just give the audience a quick synopsis of what I what I went through. So I was born with a rare genetic disease. It's called Mucklewell syndrome and it's statistically one in a million in the United States and one in every 500,000 in Europe. Reason being is because it's more common in the European descent. But because it's so rare here in the United States, it took 36 years before they found a diagnosis. So from the time I was born to 36 years old, that's how long it took for me to get a diagnosis. And symptoms started as early as six months old for me. So the disease had time from birth six months to 36 years to manifest in ways that have been unseen by a lot of science, unseen by millions of doctors. And luckily, I'm alive to tell it. So what the disease does is it causes, it's actually a, a genetic, it's a genetic mutation in the gene called the NLRP3 genetic variant, and it's an inflammasome gene. And so what it does is it, one of my doctors described it as a drama queen. So if ever, like, let's say that I'm supposed to, supposed to get like a normal cold or normal flu, my body will take it to the next level and will start to go get over inflamed and I can get uh, pneumonia from it. I can get uh, paralysis from it. If the inflammation doesn't stop, what the disease does is it causes atypical paralysis, atypical meaning it's not typical to get paralysis in certain parts of my body. And it affects my peripheral nerves and my motor nerves, the peripheral nerves and the motor nerves, they control pretty much everything in your body from your speech to your rest and digest, to your eating, to your digestion, to you walking, to your muscle growth. It affects everything. And so one of the first things to go when this disease was full force was my urinary bladder. I lost my ability to pee because it paralyzed my pelvic floor muscles. And so with any muscle, if you don't use it, you lose it. So I wasn't using it. I wasn't peeing. I started to lose it. And the bladder became very small and I hardened and it shrunk. And at the end, I was only able to hold four ounces of liquid. So by then, doctors were trying to save it. And by saving it, it would include a multitude of surgeries up to about 20 at the time. And one can imagine that just if anyone's ever listening to this has had one surgery, sometimes it takes three to six months to heal. Now I was averaging three to four surgeries a year. So I was never healing. My body wasn't having the opportunity to heal at all. And by that time I had a feeding tube. By that time it was just, I was dying a really slow death. So they had to do a, re a complete reconstruction of my urinary tract system. They removed my entire bladder. And to this day, I've only met one man that had his bladder removed. And he was in his 90s. I was 33 at the time. And studies only went as far as five years. So was I even going to live? I don't know. Studies only showed up to five years without a bladder. I had no idea if I was going to live. All I know is that I had to go through it. Otherwise, I wasn't going to live. So either way, am I going to live past five years? I don't know. But if I don't go through this, I'm not going to live at all. So I guess I got to go through this. So yeah, they did a complete reconstruction of my urinary tract system, removed my bladder, removed my urethra. They used 60 inches of my small bowel intestine and they created a, a reservoir, a bag, like a neal bladder is what they called it. They reconnected my ureter tubes, which are my kidney tubes to the new bag, the intestine. 
they removed my appendix and they, and that's where I catheterized from catheterized, meaning I stick a 12 inch silicone tube through my abdomen in order for me to expel my urine. That's how I pee every three to four hours. And I also, let's see here, what else happened at that time? I had three blood transfusion. I was in the hospital for over 30 days and I went home with about six bags and tubes coming out of my abdomen. I lived like that for about three months. I was living alone too. I lived alone for seven years, actually going through all the surgeries that I went through. I lived alone and my mom wasn't driving over to see me. No one was besides my best friend who I actually live with now. He was actually the only one that was there for me. So I did everything by myself and it was awful. It was terrible. Feeding myself with bags of urine around me, having to empty the urine bags. And I had a home nurse come twice a week for eight years. Actually, I had a home nurse, Janelle Walton, shout out to you. You're awesome. And so, yeah, as the disease progressed, that actually, Constantine, that took five years for me to heal when I had the bladder removed. Five effing years. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't just, oh, you're healed. You had the surgery. It was like, you're healing. Now you're leaking. Let's do another fix-it surgery. You need a repair? Let's do this. So it was like one thing followed after a repair and then infections. I kept getting a lot of kidney infections with high fever. So I was always in the hospital, always in the hospital. And I never watched TV. I didn't watch TV not once. In those 10 and a half years, I was in TV. Actually, I watched Saturday Night Live. I did watch Saturday Night Live. <laughs> I had to get some laughs in. You know what I mean? I mean, some SNL. Come on. But other than that, I didn't really watch any television. So I was doing a lot of reading, a lot of poetry, a lot of writing, a lot of diving deep, a lot of stuff on philosophy, trying to get to know me. Why am I going through this? Why? What have I done so wrong in my life to deserve all this? I don't feel I was a bad person. But these are the thoughts that I went through. And then when I finally started to heal, the disease still kept progressing because that was when I was 33, 34. And as this disease progressed, it paralyzed my vocal cords. So I lost my ability to talk. I couldn't talk for two and a half years, but I wasn't going to give up because I love communicating. I love talking and I love expressing myself. So I went to sign school. I went to go learn sign language for two and a half years. And, but in the midst of it, I still felt lonely and I still felt like I was suffering because the deaf community, the way that I saw it back then when I was suffering, I was like, okay, you guys are deaf, but you can swallow and you can breathe. For me, swallowing and breathing hurt because my vocal cords were paralyzed. People don't understand is like when you're breathing, your vocal cords are moving. They move back and forth. So even breathing hurt for me. I was like, because they're paralyzed, they're stiff. Like, ugh, it was like forcing. So it was like, I was in sign school. Yeah, I'm, I'm becoming deaf and mute. Fine, I'm learning how to sign. But little do they know, because I can't express myself, but I'm in pain here, even trying to breathe. So it was really, it was an incredible challenge that I went through. But it was actually through that challenge and through that quietness that I became very spiritual and connected to myself. That was when I met the monk. One of my friends said to me, do you want to go watch a monk speak at a theater in L.A.? And I said, a monk? Sure. Why not? At that time, let's do it. <laughs> and when I saw him, he looked like like Yoda, like a Jedi, like kind of like floating on stage there with his like red robes, orange robes. And I was like, whoa, what is this? And that's when he said, just because you are suffering doesn't mean you have to be in pain. Just because you're in pain doesn't have to be suffering. And right there, I was latched on. I was like, well, what does he mean by that? And sure enough, it was like meditate, pray, get centered, get grounded. All these ideas that were new to me because I was brought up Catholic. And being brought up Catholic, it's like, you've done what before you got married? You're going to hell. So I was like, wow, well, I don't want to practice something where I'm going to go to hell. Like, my goodness. But the Buddhist philosophy was all about compassion, was all about love. It was all about good karma and getting rid of your bad karma and just accepting people for who they are and loving people unconditionally. And this whole new idea for about love and loving myself came in. I was like, well, how do I love myself? How do I have compassion for myself? What does that even mean? I didn't know what that meant. How, do you, how does one have compassion for themselves? I can have compassion for you, but why am I not able to reciprocate that for myself? And then I dug deeper and I dug deeper. I started having visions when I was praying and meditating. When I was praying and meditating, these images that came to me were like, you're going to write a book about your life. You're going to start a podcast. And every time I would doubt, I'm like, all right, no problem. I have no problem writing a book. I've been writing since I was seven. I'd love to do that. Let's, I'll get that started now. But a podcast, how am I going to do that? I can't talk. I can't believe in here. Like, come on. And then I would hear, believe, have faith, believe. I'm like, okay, believe, have faith, believe, have faith. Okay, I got this. And sure enough, the closer I got to faith, the closer I got to myself, and the more that I let go of insecurities and pain and all these identities that really didn't identify me, I started to let in other energies. And it was all the positive vibing energy, higher vibing energies. I got I got hooked up with the right doctors, got on the right medications, had another surgery to get rid of three masses that were in my larynx. 
that released some of the pressure from my vocal cords. I got on immunosuppressants. My voice started to come back. So then I thought, yeah, I'll start my podcast. What's it going to be on? What's my podcast going to be on? So my podcast going to be on. I'm, I'm getting these visions, but I'm not really sure. I knew that I wanted to motivate people. I knew that I, I love when my speech came back. I knew that I wanted to use my voice. And that was one thing I did make a vow. I made a vow to God. I made a vow to Buddha. I made a vow to all the divine beings. If you bring my voice back, I promise to use my voice to help those that don't have one. Whatever I can do, because I know what it is to sit in silence and it's very painful. And there's a reason why I was in the silence for two and a half years. And so when my voice started to come back, I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to be open, raw and real. Hey, it's Constantine here. And I want to take a brief moment to truly thank you for being a part of this incredible journey of transformation. You are the reason we are creating this content. I see you and I appreciate you. Your support truly means the world to me. I want to ask you for a small favor. I'd love for you to join our mission by hitting like, subscribe, or leaving a thoughtful comment or review. Your engagement helps others discover these insights, and together we can continue to unlock the power of authenticity and personal transformation. And if you want to reach out directly to me, send me an email at constantine at unleashedthyself.com. I value any and all feedback. Thank you for being a part of this movement. Now, back to the episode. So I just, I started from there motivating people, interviewing people of all walks in life, people with disabilities, people that were paralyzed. I interviewed a professor that's paralyzed from the neck down and like just all these stories that started inspiring me. And I started realizing that the universe had connected me to all these people so that I can uplift myself, be a better version of myself and therefore be a better version for others and motivate the world. And that's, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. Wow, Dr. Lena, what a story. So powerful and inspiring at the same time. I can't even imagine what you have gone through. Honestly, I can't. Like, It sounds like the script of a movie, right? One of those movies where you watch on the weekend and you cry a lot because of the, the, the hardship that the person goes through. So oh, yeah. I can only imagine. But today, it sounds that you're in a better spot because of what you found through meditation, through your spiritual practices, and of course, what it led you to the, do- the right doctors, the right medicine. And you mentioned so many things that I want to take the conversation in, but one in particular that's been an interesting topic for me as well, personally, as a man growing up in Eastern Europe during the communist era, the idea of self-love, the idea of actually doing things for yourself that you have no problem doing for others. Let's dive into that a bit more. And I'm curious to see to. your take as a clinical psychologist, but also as someone that's been on this journey of trying to understand how to love yourself better. So first of all, let's define what is self-love, self-care in your mind? Great question. What is self-love and self-care in my mind? Yeah, or in your heart. or in self-care, the first thing that comes to me, yeah, is acceptance. Until you accept who you are as an energetic being, aside, drop your body, drop your physical self. If you can accept your inner being, the light that you are, that's where the true love begins. Because then you are able to see everybody for their divinity, their light, drop their body. Drop what they look like. Drop what your whatever may have given you judgment about anybody in the past. Once you drop that and you start seeing everybody for the eternal light that they are, you're able to see love in its purest form. And that's what I had to do. I had to drop my physical self, my scars, my past and everything. This isn't who I am. The real true love, the, the real true light is love. And that's love in everybody. And when you can start there, start by getting out of, Putting yourself in a box. Stop check marking boxes of who you are because none of that is you. When we all pass, none of this is us. There's only going to be a being of light that's just going to transcend into that. And that's who we are in our purest form. That's where true love starts. And when you can truly see your divinity, you can start doing things for yourself in the physical form. After that, well, what does it mean to love myself physically? Can a guy get his nails done? I don't know, but I'm going to buy myself a buffer and start buffing my nails and seeing what my hands look like with shiny nails. All right, that's self-love. Like, what else can I do? Can I go to a barbershop and get a nice lineup? Hell yeah, I'm going to get a lineup. All these tiny little things you start to do, and it starts to not feel like you're being pretentious or that you're doing it for an identity. You you already have that internal self-love of your light, and now you're loving your body, your physical body. Because as a human, we're here mind, body, and soul. And once you can love your mind, body, and soul, you start to connect the dots and everything else starts to come into alignment. And you start to see the love in everything that you do. 
not just in combing your hair, but waking up every morning and making your bed. Even that's self-love. I care where I sleep. I care so much where I sleep, I make sure that I'm clean every night and shower before I go to bed because I want to have a restful night because guess what? That's where you have the most rejuvenation. That's when your cells start to multiply and regenerate when you're asleep. Well, I want to bless these cells and show them that I love them by having the purest way that I can sleep, and that's in my cleanliness. It goes on and on, but self-love, I mean, it just it really starts with loving your internal light, and from there you can move on to the physical form, and then it just it goes on from there. Wow. I love that answer, Dr. Lino. I don't think I've ever heard anyone explain it quite the way. That's beautiful and inspiring. Oh, thank you. And it resonates strongly with me. Honestly, when I understood what self-love was for me and being unconditional in your love to yourself, right? The way it came to me in meditation was this idea that how can I claim to love myself or love anyone really in particular if I don't love the best sides of myself? And I say bad in quotation marks because we apply labels, right? I mean, what looks yeah. bad for me might be good for you and vice versa. Right. Once... That aha moment came to me. It's like, oh, wait a second. Yeah, I can't really say I love myself if I always cringe and I I don't like these parts of me, like something I did in the past, the way I am in certain situations. So it comes back to what you said, understanding you're this beautiful soul, having a human experience, and how can you love all the parts of you, good or bad, whatever level you put on them. And then as you do that, at least in my experience, you exude more of that outwardly, and you can now impact people on another level that you can't even tell. Like I'm seeing so much impact in the world around me just from me being a better version of myself without me doing any work on anyone else. And that's where the magic happens. I'm going to turn this question around. What is it? What does it mean to be a better version of yourself? Ah, I love that. What does it mean to be a better version of yourself? To me, it's, at least in, in, in my own life, is to do things with more in alignment with my heart from one day to the next. So tomorrow morning when I wake up and look back at my previous week or previous month, have I continuously done things from my heart and look to do more of it rather than less of it? And when we're doing things from the heart, we, you mentioned the word love. Well, love is at the foundation of everything else, right? Because in every situation in life, you have two choices. You can come from a place of fear. Or you can come from a place of love. Exactly. Now, if you choose fear, then of course you have more choices. If you choose love, you have more choices there as well. Yeah. I'm not saying that you only have two choices in every situation, but it starts with. Actually, you do. You do, Constantine. There's only two. two there's only two choices: love or fear. All negativity, all negativity is derived from fear. So anything other than love is is the alternate option. So there are only two choices: love or fear. Yeah. yeah. Well, in that sense, yes, absolutely. What I meant is that once you choose fear, let's say, right? Yeah. In my mind, there's also choices there, right? Because now you can choose different paths of how you show your fear, right? And if I choose exactly. love, that's there too, because there's levels to it, right? I can be fully empathic with your situation. Right. I can just be compassionate or I can come from a place of understanding. And I can see there are many different situations that can come up after, but you're right. The initially, it's just fear and love. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so yeah. how, how do you think... Getting your master's in psychology and then getting your doctorate in psychology helped you to what you went through and then what you do today, because I would imagine it had to play a role in how you handled everything. I've been asked a similar question recently, and I thought that was fascinating because I hadn't been asked that before. First off, I knew from the time that I was a kid that I was going to be some kind of doctor, MD, PhD, PsyD, I don't know. I just knew it was going to be part of my title as a human, something I was going to go through. So I knew that I was going to go all the way in school, all the way meaning till I can't have any more, you can't go any past that. You can't go anything past the doctorate. I don't know what that meant for me. I just thought I knew that I was born into this. This is what I have to go through this is what I got to do. I don't, it's like in a way I almost separate life lessons with education because I almost see them differently, but I can see how they've all, how they've all melt together. And also, yeah, I'm a poet. So sometimes I, I think poetically and I wonder how being a poet and being a psychologist and being a professor and going through all the stuff that I went through, a Buddhist, all these other things that caused me to have all these identities created this incredible experience that I'm having now. And it all, they, all these elements that were like ingredients in your special chicken soup. I've got my own ingredients. I got my own flavors. And the only thing I can say about that is had I never gone to school and studied the psyche of the mind, I probably would have been in a lot more pain, perhaps. Maybe I wouldn't have been so inquisitive with doctors the way that I was, because I was like, why, what, why, who, what, how do I get this? I was always questioning. I wanted to find a cure. 
No, there's got to be answers. And that's the way I was with education. If I can't get my master's in this, can I get it in this? And if I do it in this, will this happen with this? So it's just always asking. To this day, I'm always asking questions. I'm just a really inquisitive person. But um, there's no way of knowing either way had I never done it because it was going to be, it was my, it was in my cards either way I was going to do it. I can't really, I, I don't know what my life would have been like otherwise, but I know that all of the elements that I have created, the balance that I now know that I'm always teeter-tottering, trying to balance all of these different elements. And that's kind of what makes me unique in my own, my own energetic signature. Yeah. I love that answer, Dr. Lino. And I, and I would agree with you. I mean, we went through experiences in life, right? And it brought us to where we are today. It's impossible to say, well, what would have happened if I hadn't done that, right? Because it was part of what brought us to where we are today. Had I changed one of my left turns into a right turn or you at some point in life, we wouldn't even be talking today, right? So it's I'm glad to hear that message as well from you, but also to see how just maybe going through school or, or going through a bit of learning, doesn't matter if it's school or in life, you get to be more resilient. You get to understand life a bit better and it can help you overcome some challenges you're facing. You know, I actually, sorry to interrupt. I actually do, I do agree. As you're saying that, I'm remembering the times that I was in the hospital, I kind of did put on the doctor cap and I'd be like, well, blah, 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 blah. And I was doing research, blah, blah, blah. And if we did this and this, I mean, so yeah, because I had some training, I had some background knowledge. I knew some stuff about medications and side effects and things that I had some psychopharm pharmacology class that I've taken. So I knew a lot about some stuff and side effects and long-term and this and that, and all these terms that I understood. So I was able to talk to doctors at the doctor level and not have them be like, you see what we're going to do is, and I'd be like, what does that mean? It wasn't like that. I was just like, give it to me. I got this. So I think that kind of allowed me to have more of the thinking cap that they did and therefore kind of relaxed me. And I was able to understand it more in a scientific mind when I was going through the stuff that I was going through. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that comes to mind right away that I want to ask you is this idea that I believe in, at least, that everything that happened in our life, good or bad, again, whatever label we put to it, brings with it at least one lesson. And most of us, and I include myself here, the way we are raised, the way society brings us up, any of the stuff, don't necessarily teach us that, hey, there's lessons there for us to take. So I'm curious to see how you look at what you went through. Do you see it as a big teacher and so many lessons to pick out of it, or just something you had to overcome to be where you are today? Something, everything and everyone in every circumstance and experience that we have in life is a combination of teacher, student, teacher. Mm. Right now, you are a student and you are a teacher. And right now, I'm a student and I'm a teacher. And those people that are listening to this podcast are also students and they're also teachers. And so everyone and everything that we come across is a learning. It's a learning lesson. It's a teaching tool for us to expand and for us to grow. So I cannot say that the specific situations that I went through as a patient or in school or as a professor, or as a poet has given me a specific lessons because I'm learning every day, even right now with you, I'm learning to connect with your energy on this specific channel that I've never connected with before. And what I'm learning right now with you is that I can connect with someone for, that comes from a totally different country that came from a communist country that had to learn to be his authentic self and who we are together, both podcasting, having a commonality. And it's just this beautiful human connection, mind, body, and soul that I'm having with you. And this is a learning experience. That is what I can tell you coming from my heart as far as what I've learned and if there's any lessons that I've learned in life. Love it, love it, love it. Absolutely. I know one thing I saw in your profile, and it's something that you and I haven't talked about yet, but I'm really curious. You mentioned that you're launching yourself in something called Buddhist psychology. First off, it's the first time I hear about Buddhist psychology. So... Anything basically adding the spiritual element, the meditation element to like the hard mind, hard facts the, that psychology has. And uh, it brings like with my students, for example, I do bring up meditation. I do bring up spirituality after a hard, long lecture on Sigmund Freud or uh, on his theories and stuff. And I just kind of soften it up a bit. Sometimes I feel that psychology needs a little softening. Mm -hmm. And that's what Buddhism does. It's really it's a philosophy an integration of you really accepting the own power of your mind and how you can end your own suffering with the own power of your mind. Beautiful. I like that. And so if we were to expand a bit on one of the, the things you talk about on your podcast and your book as well, you mentioned that we're all born with a purpose and I a hundred percent agree. In fact, that's one of the things that I had to uncover in my own life to truly put me on the path so I can feel more in joy 
in life, happiness, fulfillment, you name it. And you do also mention that we're not all aware of it, right? Again, 100% agree. In fact, that's what that's one of the things I help people with in my life to find their yeah. why, to find their purpose. Yeah. Now, how would you say from your experience, or either not how, but either why, are people so sometimes so stuck in like, oh, you know what? There's no purpose to life. There's no purpose to why I'm here. I'm just going to go through life the way it is because I believe what my parents taught me or what my school taught me or society told me. And then they just go through life like that. Why do you think that's the case? And how can we help people that don't necessarily want to be helped, if we even can? How do we help people if there are some people that don't even want to be helped, if we can? And it's a multi-layered question. And also... Yeah, so let's just take the first one. Let's take the first one around the, the purpose. Because what I'm running into is there's two camps of people usually. Let's say three. There's one that say, you know what? I know my why. I know my purpose. Beautiful. Then you can usually connect at a deeper level from my point of view. But then you have two other camps. One is that they're curious. They always ask the question. They always say, you know what? There's more to life. I want to understand more. So those people, okay. it's easy to help, right? Because I can be like, hey, this is what I've gone through. This is how I can help you get there. But then there's a much bigger camp from what I've seen where there are people that either don't believe in the idea of having a why or a purpose or a mission. Doesn't matter if it's spiritual or not, right? It could be religious or otherwise. And do you feel like those people can be helped? Do you feel like those people can be brought to the light, so to speak, in the light that you and I see? Sure. Not say that's correct, but like to, right. to help them understand that, hey, you know what? There's a purpose you're here. And if you dive into that, you're going to find so much more joy and fulfillment in life and a path to ease, like you mentioned, with the Buddhist Mentality. So the first thing I think of when you ask me this is that there are some people, I mean, we all we are all born with our own karma is what we learn in Buddhist psychology. And actually, a lot of other religions and philosophies will talk about karma. And some people's karmic signatures come reincarnate and were reborn to learn certain lessons to grow a certain way. But there's some people that don't come here with that purpose. Some people just want to have that experience. And that's part of their karma. That's all. That's mm -hmm. why they're here. They don't need to learn more, learn deep. They just want to be a father making bread for a living. And that's fine. And that's what we can't judge because we don't know what people's life stories are. Like, yes. We're all the same. Like We don't know what they what contract they signed before they reincarnated. You want to just be a bread man and in a small little village the rest of your life and you're happy? Then F yeah. Hell yeah, boss. Yeah. That's how you're going to be boss and live it up. Some people are not meant to go in deeper. And that's because you can't push. If you can't push someone to think, first of all, never push anyone for any to do anything because that's yeah. a resistance. Anytime there's a resistance to something, it's going to push you back. That means that you're not meant to go there. If they're questioning and they're feeling, no, I don't need to find out my purpose. Well, then you don't need to find out your purpose. And usually the people that are quick to push those people is because they're looking for their purpose and they want to know more and they're going outward. Like maybe someone else, maybe this guy will have something that will ask me that will trigger me to understand a little bit more about myself. So, I mean, I, we got to just let people be. If people don't want to go any deeper, they don't want to go any deeper. But if there is someone asking questions about it and they're curious and they're not sure and they're tiptoeing around it, they do. They're doing a dance around it. Yeah, I kind of want to know, but I don't, but I kind of yeah. do. And when people are fishing for those questions, that's when we can come in because again, we're teachers and we're students, whatever wisdom you have within yourself, it's we're giving and receiving in this world. And that's how we connect with people. If you've got some wisdom that you feel you can give to somebody, that's a gift. The gift of wisdom, the gift, that's love right there. You're helping someone expand. And if you give them a gift of your knowledge or your wisdom, then that can perhaps plant a seed for them to move on to a different path or open up another door that they didn't even see that they could open. Did I answer that? I feel like I um, went all over the place. No, I think I think you did a beautiful job answering it. And like I say in life, there's I don't believe there's like a right or a wrong answer, right? Each of there us have our own interpretations. We love to apply labels to everything in life. So this may resonate with some people, this may not, but with me, it resonates 100%. Because hey. here's what I did all my life, Dr. Lina. I don't know if I mentioned this on your show. I try to change people. Because like you said, I was mirroring something. I was looking for something. But I didn't realize that. I was just like, oh, I want better for this person or my life. So I'm going to try to change my partner or my brother or my yeah. family or my friends. It wasn't always about like changing someone else and not necessarily looking inwards, right? Exactly. Or maybe looking inwards on the, on the surface and then trying to change everyone else. And it wasn't until you flip the script and realized that by changing yourself, you change everyone else. Yes. And everything, when you change everything. yourself, automatically people around you will change. And yes. that, not, that's not just because you're changing yourself and all of a sudden it's like, hey, I'm working out and everyone around me is working out. 
No, when you change your energetic signature, you're, the way that you're vibing, you're going to start vibing with people on a different level. They're going to want to level up with you naturally. You guys will vibrate at a different level. And those that don't will, will shed away from your life. If they can't vibe like you, all of a sudden you won't see them anymore. You won't need yes. them in your life anymore. And that's okay. They're yeah. just on a different vibrational scale. And let's talk, let's talk about vibrational energy there because you brought something up that's really beautiful there. Again, because you mentioned it earlier as well. This idea that as you elevate yourself in frequency vibration, you will attract, first of all, more people on that vibration. But what I've also found out from physics, you can look at this, right? If I'm higher vibration, I'm gonna the ones with the lower vibration are going to be attracted to the higher vibration, at least some of them, right? Like you said, some will make a choice. You know what? That's too big of a jump. I'm going to stay where I am in my corner. <laughs> and those relationships will uh, drift away, right? Yeah. And that's fine, but it's also very scary. That was one of the scariest things for me. I'm like, well, I like the people in my life. I don't want to drift away. Of course, through more meditation and thinking about it, I realize, well, you know what? Everything has cycles. Everything has seasons. So we'll, we'll cross the bridge when we get there. But let's talk a bit about the way you see energy and how you, you tie it in with what you talk about like a, as, a, as a teacher, as someone helping people out with traditional psychology, but also now you bring in this idea of energy, frequency, vibration. So how do I use the idea of energy, frequency, and vibration with the people around me? Or Yes, what? yes. Let's, let's start with, a like, how do you see? Because I know you keep mentioning the energetic field within us, the yeah. vibrations and whatnot. I'm curious to see how you see it and how it's helped you in everything you do. So I see it I as, as philosophical and, and spiritual as I am. What is hard facts is quantum physics. This, that is hard facts. Now, those are things, universal laws you can't change. These are undeniable truths that are divinely written in which we don't really know exactly where it all comes from. But if you don't follow these universal laws, if you don't follow them, there could be consequences, especially if you go against things that you learn in universal laws, karmic laws. And with that said, vibration frequency, it's a fact. It's not an idea. It's a fact that we're, we're all energy. That's all that we are. We're constantly energy and we're constantly, it's almost like changing AM, FM channels. We're constantly ch changing channels. Even with an FM, you go from 99.1 to 99.9. It's like, what, what channel do you want to be on? Whatever channel you're on, whatever frequency that you change yourself on. And that all really depends on how you're expressing your emotions and your feelings and what you believe in, what you believe about yourself. Whatever thoughts that you have about yourself, if you keep thinking these thoughts over and over, they become a belief. And once it becomes a belief, it becomes part of your energetic signature, but you can change that. That's not, we're not who we are inherently, for, we're not who we are right now forever. We can change this channel, this frequency anytime simply by changing your thoughts because then you create a different belief system when you change your thoughts. How does somebody vibrate higher? By How do you raise your vibration? By bringing joy and love and peace and harmony and ease and eager, all these wonderful feelings within your heart every day. Even if you're feeling crappy, if you could just tune into one thing that brings you joy and love, you could just smile for a little bit or laugh about something, you automatically raise your vibration. And if you're constantly on this higher vibration, you're not going to attract people that are low and depressed and, and just always down on themselves. But there are times that you will, and it's happened to me. For example, I've dated people that were on a low frequency, but they were attracted to my light. But it so seemed, and it, and it was so, that once we were, I was trying to match their vibration, I became down, and I wasn't myself anymore, and it sucked out my joy. Which is why it's important to be able to notice that if somebody is attracted to your light, there's a possibility that if you, if you accommodate your light or dim your light to be where they're at, you can fall into a depression. You can fall into that other vibration which is why it's important to stay up where your light is at because guess what's going to happen with that other vibration? They're going to drop you at the end. They're going to leave and say, I can't hang with this light. You're too happy for me. And it's happened to me a lot, actually. I've met a lot of people that have actually asked me, how are you so happy? I've had this, Constantine, many times in my life. Yeah, I swear. They're like, why are you so happy? What are you smiling about? And I'm like, what in the world? And I realize, like, holy, I'm like, excuse me for some Wait, no, I can't act that way. I'm smiling. That's it. So it's like, those are the people that are kind of curious, but they, they will go away from your life because they can't match you. But the way that I just see energetic vibration is that I want to be on the vibration of love and above. So I always think that what's above love and what as long as I could keep that vibration, that's what I want to connect with. And that's the like-minded people I want to be with because that's what makes me feel authentic and true to myself. And that's how I could live wholeheartedly. Oh, I love that answer, Dr. Lino. And you're absolutely right. I had that happen in my life too. Right, because once I we're talking about authenticity, once I start becoming my authentic self, 
I am more joyful. I always have a smile on my face. I always joke around. Yeah. Right? And of course, some people get put off by that, and that's fine. Yeah. I was so I was so afraid in my life of people not liking me. I wanted everyone to like me, actually. And you're not the toll that they can have on your mind, right? On yourself. Absolutely. And then when I just said one day, realized, you know, it doesn't matter. Some people will like me, some won't, and that's fine. Find your right. tribe. That they changed my life in in that instance. Right. But when we're talking about this uh, vibration frequency, like you said, right? So you're up here. Someone is down here. They're tied to your light. I see two options there as well, right? If they choose the path of love, they'll be coming up with you as you go up, right? Yeah. But what happens often, the fear seems to have a stronger pull, especially if they're surrounded by fear outside of you, right? So then that's when you get dragged down. And I've had that situation come up so many times myself. And I feel like we as human beings here having this experience, if we learn to to sense the difference there like you did, then it will allow you to stay in the high vibration and keep going up. And then, yes, you'll attract people at the lower vibration because that's how they grow. But then it's their choice if they want to come with you on the path or not. Right. And if they want to come on the path, then you can help them out, right? Because you're at a higher vibration. But how do you help them out? The way I see it is by leading by example. Exactly. There's no other way. It's not by forcing it down on them. Always lead by example. Yeah, we can't change anybody. You can only be yourself. And by being yourself, you're, you're showing the, you're, the example. You're setting the bar at a certain frequency. <laughs> I almost yeah. said height, but hey, frequency. You know? Love that. And I always say this. It's like, because I gave myself permission to be who I am, I've given others permission to be who they are. Now, if they accept the permission or not, that's up to them, right? Eventually, yeah. they have to give themselves permission. But yeah. it's almost like someone else did it for them initially, and now they can be who they're meant to be. It's really interesting how we have to give ourselves permission. Sometimes I used to give myself permission to, why do we have to give permission? Just be. There's some resistance with that, giving yourself permission. There's a little resistance there. You know what I mean? It's like, can I? It's like, just be. But I know because I have to do that too. I have to give myself permission sometimes, Constantin, to chill out. Because I'm always like on the go and go. And it's like, hang on. It's okay. You can chill. I'm like, I can? I'm like, oh man, I'm giving myself permission. But we do, we have, we have to give ourselves permission. It's interesting, huh? Yeah, it is. I mean, it shows up less and less, right? Because once you leave that veil up and you understand the way that aspect of life works and you've given yourself permission to be who you're meant to be without telling self, then all the other layers will start to fall apart. It won't be overnight. Like you said, sometimes you catch yourself. It's like, oh, I need to give myself permission now. Yeah. But then it's going to become more automatic. At least that's been my experience. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> now as a psychologist though, so let's say I came to you and I said, okay, can you help me? I'm running to these issues in my life. Right. How do you, how do we handle this idea of uh, giving oneself permission to go after our dreams, our desire, our wants, even just if it's like, oh, you know what? At work, I cannot be who I am with you or who are my friends because I'll be judged. I'll be whatever. How do we bridge that gap from, let's say less of a spiritual side, but more of a, where your average person will be at? Ask yourself why with these questions overall. Have a journal, a diary. Have a friend ask you why. Can I talk to you about something? Yeah, what's going on? I'm having these issues in my head, these thoughts that keep churning up. What's up? I don't know what I want to do in life. I don't even know if I want to do anything. Ask me why. Why? Well, because I'm I'm telling you to ask me why. Yeah, why, Dr. Lena? Why don't you want to get that? Well, I'm not sure that I even want to think that far because I don't know how long I have to live. What if I die tomorrow? Okay, I'll ask you another question here, Dr. Lena, then. So if you die tomorrow, wouldn't you want to be able to look back at your life and say you did everything you could to have a better life and help as many people as possible? I'm going to be easy patient on you. Yes, I would. <laughs> In a hard pain. I definitely would. <laughs> yeah. But asking yourself why to just keep peeling back the layers, peel back the orange, peel back the onions, everything, it has layers and layers. And if you can keep asking yourself why and why, at the very end, you're going to find a root. And usually the root is going to be a false belief because if I do this or if I don't do this, I have failed my family. Are you living for yourself or are you living for your family? So it's, you kind of have to just break it down. That's really what I have found psychology a lot to be is to peeling back the layers of the mind that have us incarcerated in our own false beliefs, because that's all it really is, self-incarceration. And a lot of it's ancestral, a lot of it's beliefs that have been given to us through our DNA, through our lineage. And when we can start breaking through that and coming up with a brand new, refreshed consciousness, we're able to evolve in our culture, in our family systems, and show them a new way of being, a new way of thinking, and transmuting all of that pain from the past and all of those limiting beliefs into a brand new generation. Yes. 
Yes, I'm with you 100%. I love it, love it, love it. And yes, of course, when I was on your show, I recall now we were talking about something similar. And one of my answers was ask yourself why and keep asking the right questions. And sometimes we just aren't able to do that. And I love your recommendation to have someone else in your life. If you have access to a therapist or a clinician like you are, for example, yeah, perfect, go to them. But if you don't, start with a friend. Start with a coworker even if you trust them. And Absolutely. help them, ask them to help you find some of these answers. Yeah, and the beautiful thing about that is that if you have a friend or a coworker help, help you with these questions, you're also helping them. Yeah. It's a two-way street. If someone helps you, you're helping them, always. It's funny you mentioned that because I look back at my life and I mentioned to you, I used to play poker professionally and then I went, well, not then. At the same time, I was coaching people and helping people out. And I, at the time, I was very naive. I was in my early 20s and I'm like, you know, cloud nine because I'm doing this awesome thing and I'm helping people, but really I'm making good money out of it. And then what I realized as I started getting into coaching more and more seriously, it's like, wow, I'm actually getting so much back out of doing this. Not just the learning, but the, the way you felt, the way yes. the entire experience went. And it's like that that got me thinking for the first time in my life. I'm like, wow, there's real power in this idea of learning something and giving back to others and helping others find their own path. And that's a testament to what you just said as well, right? It's like by just asking someone for help, not only are they hopefully helping you, but you're going to help them with something that they may not even realize and you won't realize either. Another reason for that, Constantin, is because when you're asking for help, you're loving yourself. And when you're showing yourself love, hey, I love myself enough to ask for questions for help, for you to help me. And then guess what they're going to give you back is their love. And that's heart to heart. At that point, it's heart to heart communication. And yeah. that's why it's so expansion and it's expansive. And that's why people connect in a really deep, loving, pure level at that time. You help me and I help you naturally because it's out of love. It's not out of hate or fear. I'm dropping my fears. I'm dropping my hate. I need help. I need you. I, could you ask me these questions? Yeah, I love that. I love that. That's, a, that's a, such an important point to make. And I couldn't agree more. Thank Could you. Could not agree more better. So let's uh, shift gears a tiny bit here as we're coming up on the hour. You have your podcast. We see the title a bit behind you, A Little Less Fear. Yes. Same with your book. I want you to tell the audience a bit more about your book and your podcast. Sure. So my book is called A Little Less Fear. It's the same title as my podcast, A Little Less Fear. And I titled this A Little Less Fear because I have found in my life that the times that I had just a little less fear, it was done. There was a lot. There was more love to shine in. So less fear means more love. So as I did things and broke down fear, not only that, but I noticed that every time I broke through a fear, like, oh, man, I'm going to have another surgery. What if I don't? What if I don't wake up? Well, guess what? I woke up. Every time I kept waking up, I'm like, hey, I'm still waking up. So I realized that my greatest fears, they weren't, what was there to fear at that point? Like get get out of the fear. And when you start breaking your fears, you get more clarity. Like something else clears up in your mind when there's less fear about something. If you could just have a little less fear, you're going to have more clarity and, and more love to gain at that point. So that's where the title came from. But my book is basically my life story from birth to 40. I'm 43 right now. So it was the first 40 years of my life and uh, everything that I went through with the disease, with family hardship, with accepting myself, with um, forgiveness. I had to forgive a lot of people in my life. Forgiveness is huge in this chapter, in this book, and uh, a lot of poetry. I've been writing poems since I was seven years old. It's the way that my higher self communicates, the way that God communicates through me. It's the way that I channel energy. And I started writing when I was seven and I, I still write to this day and so there's so 50 poems in here and uh, yeah I, it's pretty incredible i really appreciate the support and the love that i've had so far on my podcast there's 215 episodes out and it's a motivational podcast personal growth i interview people of all walks of life people that share their stories to share the their personal growth stories to brought them to see what brought them to where they currently are at today beautiful Beautiful, Dr. Leno. That's amazing stuff. And of course, we'll have all the details in the show notes so people can access this information. Thank you. Fingertips. Before we depart for today, I know we've covered a lot of different areas. We went in many beautiful directions, but I'm sure there's something else you may want to impart with the audience, to share wisdom with the audience. What comes from your heart 
or your mind in this case that you definitely want to share with us? When I'm asked this question, I don't like to answer it with the same answer because energy is always changing and energy is always flowing. And our connection is different than my connection has been with other people. So at this moment, if there's a message that I'd like the world to know for them to take with themselves for their own personal growth, and I've, and I've actually had a podcast about this is what's coming through myself. So I just invite people to take some time for themselves, whether it's five minutes in a day to sit with yourself, even if you don't believe in prayer, even if you don't believe in meditation or anything like that, sit with yourself, quiet time, no music, turn your phone off and ask yourself who you are aside from whatever title you give yourself. If you're not a father, if you're not a mother, if you're not a student, if you're not a beggar, if you're not um a person with a disease or an illness, if you're not any of these identities, who are you? Ask and, and have a piece of paper, write it down, or just see what comes through and ask yourself this question. Invite yourself, give yourself permission to be in this space. And in this space, I invite myself to be with myself and ask myself, who am I if I'm not any of these insecurities, if I'm not any of these labels? And I guarantee you that at the very end, people will say, well, I must be some kind of being, some kind of energy, some kind of light, some kind of love, because that's all that's left after that. That's all there's left. And when you're able to let go and shed all of that, you're able to really see that there's no reason to ever judge yourself, even though I still do it. I still judge myself. But you're able to judge yourself less. And when you do that, you start to invite love in. And I just want so many people to see that we're all made of love. And that's our if you want to ask, if you want to talk about life purpose, our major life purpose is to love, to give love, and to receive love. Yes. Wow. Is it a mic drop moment right there, Dr. Lina? I, mean, I, <laughs> I think it is. It's such beautiful and, and wise words and such a good introspection. And yeah, I cannot add anything else to that. That's just amazing. So I just want to say thank you, Dr. Lino. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to see with you, have this beautiful conversation. And it really has. Uh, thank you to our audience for tuning in. And I'm sure you'll feel as inspired and as empowered as I feel after this Excellent. conversation. I'm so, glad that we you. shared this energy. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me on your platform. I appreciate it. You're, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on this exploration of personal transformation. Your presence and engagement are at the heart of what we do. And I sincerely appreciate you, your time and thirst for knowledge, inspiration and empowerment. Please consider showing your support by hitting like, subscribe, leaving a comment or writing a review. Your engagement not only fuels our mission, but also helps others discover these insights. For more daily guidance on personal transformation across the mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical realms, be sure to visit our website at UnleashThyself.com. You can also find us on Instagram at UnleashThyselfToday, TikTok and YouTube at UnleashThyself, and there we post daily content designed to inspire and empower you on your journey. If you have any specific thoughts, questions, or feedback, I truly value your input. Or if you'd like to have a conversation with me, or work with me, please feel free to email me directly at constantine at unleashthyself.com. I would love to hear from you. Together, we're building a community united in authenticity and purpose. Once again, thank you for being a part of this movement. Until next time, continue to embrace your true self and live a life on purpose, with purpose. See you in the next episode.